If you want to build more sustainable eating habits, Noom Weight can help. Our program uses psychology to help you better understand your relationship with food and empower you with the practical knowledge and skills you need to build long-lasting habits and behaviors. And with Noom, there aren't any good or bad foods. Instead, we'll provide you with the wisdom and expert guidance you need to make informed choices that fit your lifestyle and health goals. Start your trial at Noom.com balance. That's N-O-O-M dot balance. Hi, and welcome to the Shoot from the Heart podcast with me, Diane Bell. If you want to write a script, make a movie, or quite simply live an abundant and creatively fulfilled life, you are in the right place. Each week, I'll share with you tips, techniques, and real-world information that will inspire and empower you on your path. Thank you so much for joining me. I am rooting for you all the way. Let's do this. Hello, hello, beautiful and amazing screenwriters, filmmakers, and creative souls. How are you today? I am so excited to be with you. This is technically podcast number nine. There have been a couple of episodes that have dropped in the past week. Unplanned little bonus episodes. I don't know if you've checked them out. They're about screenwriting. So if you haven't checked them out, please check out these little bonus ones. They were just the audios that I took from videos that I was making, and I thought they might be helpful to people who are listening to the podcast too. So if you're into screenwriting, please check them out. I'm really excited. Next week on Monday, February the 24th, registration is going to open for my course, Write Your Screenplay in Eight Weeks. If that is something you'd like to do, if you'd like to write a screenplay and if you would like guidance to do it, check it out, www.dianebell.com. You will find it there, information about it, get on the wait list and make sure you hear about it because registration is just going to be open for a few days. So all that being said, today... I want to get back to what we talked about near the beginning, which was let's do some episodes about ways I've failed. (laughs) Yay, (laughs) this is going to be really positive. No, I think there's really such a value in getting into this. Now, as you know, I had this plan of actually, I started the whole podcast with five episodes that were about ways to succeed, you know, things that would help you succeed, whether you're trying to write screenplays, make films, or pursue other creative goals. Now I was going to do a series about ways to fail. And these are specifically ways that I've failed. But when I started to really boil it down, when I started to look at what I would be talking about, I kind of realized they all amounted to the same thing, self-sabotage. So that's why I gave this episode this this name, self-sabotage, so that we can talk about that. Now, before we even go into that, I want to talk about what I mean by fail, because you might be like, well, what does it mean to fail? And I looked up the definition in the dictionary, and the meaning there is to be unsuccessful in achieving one's goal. Okay, so let's talk about this. Typically, we have a big overriding goal or set of goals that we're trying to achieve. I'm going to call this the top level goal. For instance, your top level goal might be to build a career as a successful screenwriter. Then below that, there are goals that will help you to achieve that. They're sort of the mid-level goals. For instance, in order to become a successful screenwriter, you're going to sell a script, you're going to get hired for a job, you're going to get an agent or a manager. So these are sort of like mid-level goals. They're still pretty big goals that are going to help you achieve the big top-level goal. But below the mid-level goals, there are micro-goals that help you achieve the mid-level goals, right? For instance, 
you know, that you'll get up every morning at 5 a.m. to write your script. You're going to send five query letters a day. You're going to practice meditation for 20 minutes a day so your head is clear and focused. And these are just the micro goals that will enable you to achieve the mid-level goals that will help you to achieve the big top-level mother goals. And I want to point out that the failures at the top level, if you fail to achieve your top level goal, if you're unsuccessful in achieving your top level goal, it's mostly because of failures at the micro level. And the micro level, when you look at those kind of goals, they're really all to do with your habits and your mindset. You can want your top level goal all you want. You can want it with every cell of your body, like you want to be a successful screenwriter or you want to make amazing movies. But unless you master yourself at the micro level, you will probably never achieve that big top level goal. Okay, so wanting it, visualizing it, having affirmations for it all becomes really for naught unless you master yourself at the micro level. You master your habits, Right? You master your daily activity and daily routine so that those little habits and those daily routines are serving you and moving you towards the big top level goal. I know for myself, without a doubt, that my greatest successes have always come when on a micro level, I am living a life of balance and gratitude and alignment. And what I mean by that is I'm eating well. I'm taking care of my body and mind for me with yoga and meditation. I'm committed to these daily practices that really allow everything else to flow. And I can honestly say that when I look back at what I would consider to be my failures, my big, you know, and some of those were failures at mid-level, some were even top level, (laughs) and many, many, many at micro level. There were there are definite clear patterns and obvious reasons that I didn't achieve the goal. And as I said before, the headline here is self-sabotage. When I have not achieved goals, it's never because of an external reason. It's always because of some daily behavior I engaged in that did not serve my big goals. Or if not daily behavior, certainly repetitive sort of negative behavior. So now I'm going to dive into what a few of these are specifically and see if they can help you at all or if you recognize anything in these. The first kind of failure I want to talk about for myself, the first type of, and this isn't actually, this is like the self-sabotaging behavior. The first kind of self-sabotaging behavior I want to talk about is not following up. This has taken many different forms for me at different times. I'm, I'm like a professional not follow-upper at times in my life. Uh, I, I, I say that with a laugh, but I'm kind of a little bit ashamed. I'm a little bit embarrassed to be sharing this. Anyway, real talk. We're going to be, I'm just going to be very, very honest in this episode. Now, not following up is connected to not showing up, uh, but it's slightly different. Now, showing up, obviously, we discussed kind of in the positive light, we talked about what it is to show up in a previous episode, but we also discussed not showing up. And showing up is super important. That's taking that first step of putting yourself out there. And for sure, showing up has been a kind of self-sabotage for me at times, specifically in my 20s in particular. And I talked about that before, where I felt the calling to write, but I just didn't show up. I just didn't write. Later, though, after I had cracked that nut and I started to show up, I started to have this other problem, which is not following up. And that is like you show up, you're given an opportunity, but you don't follow through. So, for example, 
you send your script to someone, they don't get back to you, and you never bother to write to them and ask if they've had a chance to read it, okay? You just don't follow up with them. Or you go to a meeting and a producer says they'd love to see your take on an idea they have, and you never get back to them. Or your manager suggests that you write a certain type of pilot that he's sure he can sell, and you start it and you never finish it. I've actually done all of these. These are not actually examples out of thin air. I have done all of these things and I've done many, many more. And I'm really, when I look back at my career and my time as a writer and a director, I'm kind of horrified by how often I have done this, that I have not followed up. And obviously this is a kind of self-sabotage. You're you're being given an opportunity and instead of taking it with both hands and running with it and showing up and following through, you're running away from the opportunity. We will talk about why you might engage in these self-sabotaging behaviors later, but right now I'm just going to name them, okay? And afterwards we'll really dig into why we might engage in them and what to do about it. The second kind of self-sabotaging behavior that I engaged in for many years, in fact, for most of my adult life, the self-sabotaging behavior is over-drinking. Drinking alcohol has taken up more of my brain power than I really care to admit, It's like, to be honest, I spent decades of my life negotiating with a terrorist, you know? So even though I was busy doing other things, there's always the terrorist negotiations going on because that's how it was for me. I actually stopped drinking a year and a half ago and I'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute. But really the negotiation for me was always like this, you know, I can have one glass of wine, but okay, maybe two. No, 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 definitely not two. If you have two, no, don't do that. Okay, well, maybe two if they're small. You know, like this would be my my inner monologue around drinking practically every single day. And the thing was, if I didn't actually do that negotiation, if I didn't sort of set the rules and try to control it, the terrorist would basically kill me because after two, it would be like, oh, well, screw it. Why not the whole bottle? You know, as a friend of mine used to say, in for a penny, in for a pound. And so how did this affect my writing, my directing, my failure to achieve goals? Well, one example is really like, I think like every networking event I ever went to for years, I'd often not really notice who was in the room. I'd just be looking for the wine. And then I'd be spending my time negotiating with the terrorist in my head. You know, yes, I was in the room, but I wasn't fully present. So I'm sure I missed multiple opportunities on that front because I was just like letting my brain be in a different space. And as I said before, this form of self-sabotage ended completely for me just about a year and a half ago because I woke up the day after my 46th birthday with a hangover. And I really just said enough. The night before I had set aside the negotiations, you know, it was my birthday. I was like, ah, screw the negotiations. I let the terrorists rule. And I woke up with that old sense of shame and tiredness and it was, I was done. Just to be clear, and I think this is an important thing to say, I don't identify as being an alcoholic. I don't consider myself to be in recovery. I just stopped engaging in a behavior that didn't serve me. And before that, you know, for most of the time, like my drinking was under control, but I realized it just didn't serve me. And since I made the decision to stop it, I feel amazing for it. Again, you might be wondering what this has to do with succeeding as a screenwriter. And you might be thinking also like, well, I don't really drink, so this has nothing to do with me. (laughs) You know, why am I listening to this? But I'm just going to call this your attention. What I was engaging in, for all those years with my relationship with alcohol was buffering. And buffering takes many different forms 
for us. It could be overeating. It could be overspending. It could be romantic relationships or um, sex partners. It could be binging on Netflix or social media. There's all kinds of different ways to buffer. And we engage in these behaviors because they seem to offer an escape from our lives. They let us unwind. They let us feel free, feel safe, feel okay. But the sense of escape that they offer us is limited. And afterwards, there's always a price, a hangover, a sense of shame, mounting debt, lost time, whatever. Something that's worth considering is if you want to know if a behavior really serves you or if it's a form of buffering, just ask yourself, is there anything negative that comes with it? So you might be wondering, oh, is it like buffering when I go to the gym? Because some people are like gym addicts. But if there's no negative consequence, it's not buffering. It's fine. But if there is a negative consequence, and as I said, with drinking, there's always a negative consequence, right? If there is a negative consequence, it's time to question why you do it, you know, why you engage. I know from my own life, one of the biggest prices of drinking alcohol for so long was the amount of brain power I wasted on it, right? Because now I just never think about it. I don't think about what to drink, how much to drink. I don't think where the drink is. I don't think about it. That precious brain power is completely freed up. And it's weird to me that for so long I was really resistant to quitting drinking entirely because I thought I would miss out on something that I loved and that I enjoyed. I thought I'd be boring if I stopped drinking. But honestly, the converse has been true. And I would just encourage you very gently to consider if you are currently engaging in any self-sabotaging with buffering behaviors. I'm just going to like put it out to you. If you can recognize anything in your life right now that could come under that category, because the thing is you can negotiate with those behaviors all you want, right? You can try to control them. You can do deals, but I'm just going to offer to you now. You can also just release them and release yourself from them. I'm going to be honest here too. I think the biggest cost if you don't release them isn't actually just the brain power that's wasted on the negotiations and the control. And it's not just the time lost to the thing you do, i.e. the time you spend drinking or recovering from hangovers when you could be creating or the time you spend binging on Netflix or, you know, all that stuff. I think the biggest cost is the shadow that these behaviors cast on your own well-being the power that they take away from you in insidious ways. Because buffering always leaves us with a sense of shame, a sense of guilt, a sense of loss of control, a sense of disempowerment. You feel out of alignment with yourself because you're acting in ways that don't help you achieve your highest goal. And truly that does not feel good. And I think that loss of power is the most damaging thing about engaging in buffering. I can honestly say when I look back and as I say for myself, ways that I have failed, ways that I have not achieved my goals, I think that choosing to buffer rather than choosing to be present has was definitely one of the most damaging things and has been one of the most damaging things that has stopped me from achieving different goals at different times. And mostly because of what it did and does uh, to your self-esteem. Okay, so that was a big one. Uh, Now, number three, the third self-sabotaging behavior that I identified in myself. And again, as I say, these these are all personal. These are ways that I can honestly look back in my life and say these are really strong 
self-sabotaging behaviors that I've engaged in that have stopped me achieving goals. The third one is not being committed to daily self-care. And self-care to me means looking after your mind, your body, and your spirit. On a physical level, that can mean just like eating foods that nourish and give energy, drinking plenty of water. For me, when it comes to mind and body and spirit, it's also about meditation and yoga because I know for myself that when I practice them daily, I get such different results in my life. And when I haven't practiced them, I get such different results in my life. For me, meditation and yoga are just tools to be open and receptive to my intuition. I think they're like ways to clean your magnets, like your heart is a magnet. And if you're not keeping it clean, that magnet, it, it doesn't bring good things to you. You keep it clean with meditation and yoga, it's like, whoosh, you know, you're just like drawing in all the good things, all, all the good stuff comes in your direction and things become easy. As I said, when I have not been committed to my daily practice, my results have not been so good. I'm much more prone to making bad choices. You know, for instance, hiring the wrong people, signing deals with the wrong people, going after the wrong project for the wrong reasons. I lose touch with my ability to really feel my intuition and be guided by it. But when I'm doing a daily practice, my intuition gets so strong and clear and it really never leaves me astray. Now, I am definitely not saying that everybody needs to practice meditation and yoga. I mean, I think the world would be a better place if we did, but I'm not saying if, they, if those things don't call you, I'm not saying you have to do that. But I do think everybody, if they're serious about succeeding and creating success and achieving their goals, you need to commit to practices that bring quiet and clarity to your heart and mind, whatever those might be for you, you know, and you might get it from running or you might get it from going to the gym. I think some kind of meditation, some kind of space of quiet and stillness is very important because the things that arise in that time are the things that will guide you to the greatest successes, the things that will make it easy and magical. I feel like if your mind is always noisy, if you're always like thinking, thinking, busy, busy, it's very difficult to hear the nudges in your heart. It's very difficult to hear the intuition. And I know for me, as I said, you know, without a doubt, one of the things, one of the self-sabotaging behaviors that's really affected my uh, path at times is when I've just like veered away from that path, you know, when I've let go of my yoga practice, let go of meditation, got busy, you know, got busy with life and too busy to do those things. Have you guys ever heard that saying? They say, everybody should do 10 minutes of meditation a day. And if you don't have 10 minutes, then you should do an hour. <laughs> I love that. So just to sum up, this session, all these forms of self-sabotage. And when you think about it, like, why would we engage in these things? Why wouldn't we just like follow up with things? Why would we choose to buffer? Why would we choose not to take great care of our body and mind? Why would we choose not to get up every day and sit on the cushion for even just 15 minutes and get that sense of silence and calm and peace and clarity. Why would we not do these things? Why would we engage in self-sabotage when we know that by not doing these things, we will not reach our goals? I'm going to be honest. I think all these forms of self-sabotage come from fear. They come from the false belief. And this is for me anyway. Like I go, the false belief that's buried deep in my subconscious that I'm not good enough, that I'm not worthy 
mean, that's definitely why I've engaged in them. It's that fear that I'm not good enough that has stopped me following up repeatedly without a doubt, you know? So there you are, you've got this opportunity. Somebody has said, just send me, you know, send me your take on this, do that. And I don't do it. Why? Why wouldn't I do it? As I said, fear that I'm just not good enough. I would ask you to look at your forms of self-sabotage, reflect on yourself, like what has stopped you from achieving your goals and what behaviors have you engaged in that have really had an impact on that? And what are the patterns of those? What are the patterns? You can trace these patterns back to your childhood too. For me, I can say quite honestly, there's a pattern from childhood where I would never give 100% effort on anything because I felt safe failing if I know I haven't given 100%. If I tried my best, if I gave it everything and then I failed, what would that mean? I couldn't handle it. And I mean this from, a ch- from being a very young child. You can see report cards from me from when I was in elementary school and they would always, they were always pretty good. I always got like good, good marks on things, but they would always say, oh, if Diane would just actually put in the effort. And that went through all the way through high school. I mean, for me, I was always like, I gave like 50% of my effort and 50% usually got me good grades and I could sort of feel safe in that. So, you know, recognizing these patterns, recognizing what's going on, learning how you self-sabotage is probably one of the most powerful things you can do if you're serious about achieving your goals. Because once you recognize them, ah, then you can start to actually change them. Then you can start to say, does this really serve me? What's going on? How can I shift it? For instance, if you plan to get up every morning at 5 a.m. to write, but then you never do, you're always like, I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. and write for an hour but you just don't do it. You know, what's going on? Because be clear, this is a form of self-sabotage. There's no reason for you not to get up at 5 a.m. to write. What's going on? Look at your patterns and look at the micro level. Look at the daily things. What are you doing on a daily basis that is not serving you? Let's get practical here. I want you to write down at least one thing, possibly three, but one big thing that you know you're doing right now that is holding you back. And you know what it is, right? <laughs> yeah, like I say that and I know you know, right? There's too much time in the internet, right? It's not getting up in the morning. It's not exercising regularly. It's not eating the food that would really nourish you. You know, you know what it is, right? It's not following through. It's not taking the time to write the query letters. Whatever it is, I just want you right now to just think of one thing that you're doing right now And after you have recognized it, I just want you to think about this activity, this thing that you do on a daily or near daily, or it's a pattern of behavior for you. And the first thing I want you to do with that is just forgive yourself for it. You know, you're a human being. It ain't easy on this planet, let me tell you. It's okay. And after you've given yourself forgiveness, I want you to commit to letting this thing go, to choosing another path. I know it's possible to do this. I know it is. I've done it. You know, like I woke up that day and I said, I'm done. I'm not drinking anymore. It's not serving me. And it was weird because for months I'd been hearing this little voice in my heart saying, you need to stop drinking. Right. And not because I was drinking a lot. I really wasn't drinking much. I was drinking probably less than I had in my whole life. Right. But I just knew that this was a behavior that was keeping me out of alignment with myself and that I wouldn't be able to achieve the things I wanted to if I continued to do it. 
I want you to be so brutally honest with yourself. What are you doing right now that is not serving you? And can you let it go? I would say, yes, you can. Yes, you can. And let's be clear about this. When you make these kind of changes, it's not just about changing your actions. In my 20s, I was a smoker. Like from my mid-late teens, I started smoking cigarettes and I smoked like all the time. I was a committed smoker into my early 20s. And when I decided to quit smoking, I'm really actually grateful that I did smoke and that I got to quit because it taught me so much about the mind. It taught me so much. Because initially I just did this thing where I was like, I'll cut down for a week negotiating with the terrorists. Don't negotiate. Don't negotiate with your brain, right? Because I was like, okay, I'm going to negotiate with it. I'll cut down for a week. I won't smoke until five o'clock in the evening. And then after one week, I'll stop altogether. Well, you can imagine the first week where I wasn't going to smoke until five. All I did all day was think about cigarettes. By four, I'd be like, oh, stuff it. It's nearly five. I'm going to have one. Because basically... My mind was still a smoker. I was still a smoker. My identity was still that of a smoker. I wanted to smoke. I was like just denying myself something that I really wanted. It's never going to work. I decided to try a different approach, which was I'm just, I just decided I'm not a smoker. I'm no longer a smoker. I love not being a smoker. And the minute that I changed my identity and just decided I wasn't a smoker, I just stopped. It was done. Finished. It was the same with drinking. I have no desire to drink because I just changed who I am. I changed my decision about who I was going to be. You get to choose. You choose who you want to be. You choose what your future is. And you choose to live today in a way that aligns with that future. You have that freedom. You have that power. You can do it. All right, you guys, I hope this has been helpful. I would love, love, love to hear your thoughts on this episode. This is some big stuff. I've shared with you three of the ways, the biggest ways that I think I've self-sabotaged myself. As I say, they have resulted in really some big failures for me. But here's the deal. We're humans. This is life. The great thing is we can learn. We can grow. We can change. We can be whoever we want to be. We don't have to self-sabotage. Thank you so much for joining me. Please, please, please send me a message. You can get me at Instagram at Diane Bell. Again, if you're thinking of writing a screenplay, join me. Registration is opening next week on Monday. I would love for you to come on this journey and to write a screenplay with my guidance and mentorship. It's going to be awesome. And guys, whatever your dream is, go after it. Align your daily actions with it. There is nothing to stop you. Have a great week. If you're ready to lose weight, Noom Weight can help. Our weight loss program uses the latest in psychology and behavioral science to help you better understand your relationship with food and build long-lasting habits. And the best part is, you decide how Noom fits into your life. We won't tell you what you can or can't eat. Instead, we'll give you the knowledge and tools you need to make informed choices that fit your lifestyle. Start your trial at noom.com slash habit. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash habit.